On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Second Shot, and this is a Second Shot Sit-Down. I'm Jenny Anchondo, and uh, okay, listen, we've done a lot of adult stuff, a lot of grown-up stuff. This time, we are bringing in a youth motivational speaker. So this may be one you wanna to listen to with the kids or maybe listen to it first, <laughs> make sure it's okay. <laughs> then listen second time around with the kids. We bring in youth motivational speaker, Gabe Salazar. Hey Gabe. And yes, everything will be rated <laughs> G for sure on this one. <laughs> I'm like, I never wanna say that on the front end because these are, these are really unscripted. We kind of go with the flow. I'm like, I don't know what he's gonna get into. Don't have me be saying, you know, bring your kids over. And then all of a sudden Gabe goes like, you know, <laughs> way off in left field here. Okay, so I, I pulled up this quote from Popular Hispanics Magazine. It says, Gabe speaks to more at more than 200 teen events each year and has reached millions of students. He's been recognized as America's number one Latino youth speaker. Growing up, did you ever think that you would have that title? Well, uh, no, I didn't. And number one Latino youth speaker, I know all three of us. There's about... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? There's not a lot, but... Uh, but the you're number one. Are, you know, and, and no, I never thought that I would... Uh, be doing what I'm doing right now. I never thought it was a real career. All right, Gabe, I want to hear about your upbringing. I know you said you, you didn't think you'd end up being a youth motivational speaker, but just talk about where, where did you grow up, what your family was like, all that kind of stuff when you were a kid. Well, yeah, you know, family dynamic for me was uh, very uh, abstract and broken. I was born to a teen mom, abandoned by my father. I grew up I grew up homeless, living in a car. And, I, you know, everything I'm saying right now, when I was a kid, I didn't really contextualize, like, well, this is what I'm categorized as. And, uh -huh. and I, it was just life, you know. Uh, we would move to an apartment complex and get evicted. Uh, we moved to another apartment complex. You know, this is before they had things to check your credit on, on site and they would just assume you're gonna pay. And I remember weeks, no lights, no water. Um, and uh, then we'd move into a family's home and then get a bit, get evicted and get booted from a family's home. How do you do that? We succeeded doing that. Wow. And it was you and your mom or did you have siblings too? It's me and my mom. Mm -hmm. Just me the and my mom. Uh, my mom had me, at, you know, just barely finished high school. And, uh, and uh, so her parents kicked her out and they were a very conservative home and, and uh, said, nope, you can't be, uh, a young mom and and single mom in here and my biological father um you know wanted nothing to do with me and uh i really struggled with that and even when i say born on accident i felt like because a, a kid told me that hey sir i was born on accident too that's a hard frame to understand like born on accident nobody's actually born on accident nobody runs to a hospital screaming i thought it was just a bad torta <laughs> it was a boy but <laughs> but when you're like i mean you're constantly being kind of, um, uh, you know, feeling like you're not wanted or accepted, mm -hmm. it really starts to affect you. And I mean, even till today, I have daddy issues. 
Jenny. I, I have daddy issues. If you're a grown man, like I'm talking like if you're like men, like late 50s and 60s mentors of mine, if you just put your arm around me and tell me I'm awesome and tell me I'm a great dad and tell me how proud of you, like I will cry because I need that. Yeah. But that, well, you know what? That's honest, though. I think sometimes people be, think that they have to be have everything figured out and be perfect before they start motivating other people. Um, you know what I mean? Like they had to think, oh, God, well, I still I still struggle with this. Um, what did that look like going back to your time? What did homelessness look like? For, for you guys, and did you go to school thinking something wrong, is wrong here, or did you not know any well, different? Absolutely, I went to a number of schools in both San Antonio and Houston. So I was born in San Antonio, then we moved to Houston, and because uh, there was opportunities and jobs in Houston, and uh, it didn't, it wasn't any better. It was harder. Mm -hmm. And all the schools. Have you ever heard people say, Jenny? People say, "Man, I was so poor, I didn't even know." Yes. How poor I was. Yes. That is the that is the most ridiculous statement to poor people or people who are <laughs> You're like I knew in homelessness because hold on. I was very poor and I knew I was in an impoverished community and even those kids told me I was poor. <laughs> <laughs> you stuck out amongst the rest. You you're poor. Yeah, so I remember there were church, there were churches and there were even families that would it it, it, it this was the happiest day of my life when these black trash bags would show up and my mom would would open up these black trash bags and it was old clothes yeah. of kids that hey they grew out of these shoes that they grew out of these jeans and to me I remember that was like a Christmas morning for me and I remember the jeans didn't fit hey, I'll tell you a funny story I, I wore jeans that didn't fit and I always wanted designer jeans I wanted guest jeans uh-huh and uh, so I was wearing these guest jeans and I was like, man, I got guest jeans. I'm going to be fly today at school. And I was walking down the hallway and and this one guy goes, hey, are those guest jeans? And I said, yeah, they're guest jeans. And he goes, I thought the red was for girls. Are you wearing girls jeans? <laughs> oh, no, Gabe. <laughs> I was wearing girls jeans. No. So, um I was so desperate to fit in. And then, you know, that resulted into, you know, there's a community, especially back in the eighties and early nineties, like there was, they were, they were, you know, today we have like, we have predators that prey on people on social media, especially children and teens. Yeah. But I really believe gangs at a certain point in their life were preying on vulnerable other kids who needed community, who needed acceptance. And so I fell into that space and in Houston and San Antonio, I was, it started small. Just, when you say you know, fell into that space, you mean joined a gang? Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I, okay. Yeah. I was with, I was gang affiliated and, uh, -huh. uh yeah, we, we, I remember we, it started small, just a group of guys going into a grocery store, stealing candy. And then, uh, and then we do other stuff, you know, uh, breaking into cars or starting fights on buses and, I found myself in that space, and before you know it, you're trying to prove that you're worthy, right? And that you're, um, you're, and and then when they call you your homeboys, and you guys dress alike, you're wearing the same colors, and you represent the same barrio, the same neighborhood, you feel like you're a part of a community. You Whereas feel before, like, you didn't have a community, you didn't have a father figure, didn't have a dad, didn't have a steady home. So it sounds like the gang, in its own weird way, and I, I don't want to put together a story that's not true. Was that kind of like the first companionship and, and sense of home? 
feeling? Absolutely. And, and uh, of course, those were terms we would never use back then. But I, I sense great companionship with you. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but it, but like as an got, adult, you can look back and see those were your friends. Yeah, who I thought, you know, I mean, you're looking for anything. And, you know, that this brings to like a lot of lessons of what I teach students today. You know, you don't spend time with anybody that doesn't make you a better person. Mm. And so that's what was happening to me is uh, it was it, every, you know, you spend time with five dummies, you'll be the sixth. Mm. And so that's what was happening to me is I was I was glorifying within my life negative stuff. And um, I would I felt empty. Okay, I so felt, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. You, you felt empty. You felt what? Yeah, I felt um, uh, unfulfilled mm. still. I think I think there's something within all of us that wants success, right? Um, and that's what drives human beings to to want more, better, and do greater. And I wasn't finding it at all. It, it was all empty, and um, and, and um, I, I was just finding that it wasn't enough. Yeah. So what what do you say to the the kid who's listening, watching, and is like, hey, you know what? I don't have any friends either. I've like, it is such a lonely, lonely time coming up, especially for somebody who doesn't have a lot and buys the guest jeans that are the wrong guest jeans, and they come in the bag, and they're like, look, I'm just trying to, you know, find some sort of connection. So what do you tell those kids who it's like, okay, so. You, so you're saying don't join the gang, but who do you join? Well, and this is where there are great communities across the U.S. through uh, programs that I work with, like the Boys and Girls Club America. Uh, there's programs even through YMCA that I work with. There's church communities that there are. When kids tell me I don't have anything to do, mm -hmm. I don't have anybody positive to spend time with, that's absolutely false. Uh, even you know here in the downtown area, I oversee a teen center. And we, we see probably 150 students a week from the downtown area. We play dodgeball with them. We play Gaga ball. We play. We set up the Nintendo Switch. There are spaces of for community and mentorship, uh, but you got You got to look outside of your bubble. And unfortunately, so there's many kids in America that never leave the four square blocks of their neighborhood, mm -hmm. and they're neighbor never able to get outside, whether because of financial issues or just apathy. They just don't care to look outside. Uh, of course, in schools, we recommend kids get involved in, in either uh, some type of extracurricular activity. The statistics that show the more opportunities they are, whether it's through sports uh, or through uh, science or band or music, whatever, uh, it allows them to have more bridge connections with leaders and adults to help them walk through different spaces that they never could on their own or with their limited resources. From everything I know about gangs, having covered, uh, gosh, gangs all over the country, really, and, and I, I don't know the right word. I don't want to say high-level gangs or sophisticated games because it makes it seem like you are glorifying what they do. But from what I understand, the mental connection, attachment, and affiliation is very hard to disconnect from once you've been in it for a while. So how did you get out of that kind of lifestyle? Very good. You know, they say there's only a few ways to get out of a gang and that's uh either either you're dead <laughs> um there's a there's a negative derogative term uh that is used called skirt meaning um you you change you you decided to have an alternative lifestyle which actually in that space is actually kind of changing now uh -huh. but back then that's what they they and the last one was church and uh, for some reason they respected church and and uh 
So I, I got I, I transitioned through what they call game mediation with my high school principal, Dr. Langston Williams. And he walked me through the college process. And actually, he found me an alternative school. So I was in my whole 10th grade year alternative school when I was coming out. Uh, he told me, hey, you can't eat in the cafeteria. I said, why? And he knew about more gang activity. And he said, I don't want you to be in there. Um, we want you to eat in my office. And, uh, <laughs> and you're like, great. Yeah, it, there was an SOS on me, which is SOS means smash on site. Uh, meaning uh, smash is another term today, but it wasn't uh, back then. So yeah. it, it was like just kind of like beat him up on site. And so I was I was sitting in in his uh, office and Dr. Langston Williams, just imagine, just imagine like my own personal Morgan Freeman, uh, <laughs> tall, resonating voice. And he never called me Gabriel. He, he never called me Gabe. That's what I like to be called. He called me Mr. Salazar, oh. Mr. Salazar. And uh, he became my mentor, introduced me to books that I have probably on my shelf here in my office from Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Les Brown, ah. books from um, uh, who else? Uh, John Maxwell and we began to talk philosophies and ideology that I thought was always backwards and that you know There's there's mentalities. There's like even a, a poverty mentality mm -hmm. uh, That would always tell me I, I'm not good enough or the reason I don't have this is because of this and there's limitations And and he began to tell me no that it's 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 completely opposite in fact there there's no limit and and because uh, you, know, you know, you're brown or because you speak Spanish There's even more opportunity and on and on. Uh, Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 so, yeah he began to open this whole new world to me and, and signed me up to go to a college and applied for uh, a college and I got accepted. I, I He signed me up for a scholarship and I won that scholarship and I graduated from high school, won that scholarship and became the first in my family to go to college and graduate. Amazing, amazing story. I was the first in my family too and isn't that just really, a, it's such a pride, it's such a point of pride because we didn't have the people to teach us like, here's how you fill out the form or, you know, without these these leaders within the school, you don't even know really like what to do or where to apply. We're not legacy kids. Like no one's giving us a letter of recommendation from the schools. So I love that, that you had somebody to kind of guide you through that. The other thing that's interesting about those books is they weren't textbooks. They were the books that adults use even today, John Maxwell, Les Brown, you know, those are, those are the books that even adults use today. So, so it's like, okay, I said, we're going to do kind of a, a teen version, but I mean, listen, it's the same motivation for everybody, uh, high schooler or adult that comes from these kind of books, as opposed to trying to get you back into your school studies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't an academic for sure, but I think, you know, I've talked to him. In fact, we're still very good friends today. And I, I've asked him, I said, Doc, Dr. Williams, what were you doing? I'm looking around for a picture of him because I, I usually have pictures of him around. <laughs> and I said, "How?" You know, I, I I I interviewed him one time, and I said, "Tell me about the mentor moment." He goes, "Mentor? I wasn't trying to mentor you. <laughs> I wasn't I was your mentor." Get in fights and and uh, and I think that's the beauty of mentorship. What do they say? It's it's not taught, it's caught. Mm. And it it it's so organic and natural of of a transition of him being able to walk me uh, into another space. And what that taught me was that it wasn't something he signed up for for the week. It was the way he lived was always exuding hope and aspiration and 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 opportunity for for kids all around him. And that that's that's the way I wanted to live my life since. And was that really the turning point? I mean, you didn't go back to the gang after that. No, no, they've seen me around like I'm my 
now my my mom and my stepdad. Yeah, I don't I don't call him my stepdad. I call him my dad. They live in the same house I, uh, that I was that they have when I was in in high school. Uh, because like we were talking about the homeless life. Of course, we're trying we're trying to fit my whole life in. in I know into of, thirty minutes. <laughs> but when we were in middle school, when I was in middle school, my eighth grade year, we finally got a home, and uh, so that same home we lived there. And I've been out, you know, helping my mom with her front yard stuff and guys. And that known me from back then will drive up and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? What and, they, uh, they know me. They're proud of me. They see me. And, and uh, some of them are in jail. I'm very curious to know what these guys, I mean, how long has it been since you were in the gang? Oh, yeah, like 20 plus years, maybe maybe more than that, 25 years. I don't know. I, what I don't want to divulge my age. <laughs> I'm basically trying to find out your age. What do they think of what has become of you and what you've done with your life? Well, yeah, like one guy, his name was Daniel, and we ran together in the streets just, I mean, I, and for the longest time, I, I never knew what happened to him. Um, we stayed out of touch, and, and I finally found him. Uh, he And um, he's not on, he wasn't on social media or anything, um, but I found him. He, he's actually a pastor at a church in San Antonio, and he pastors uh, like uh, convicts, and our ex-convicts. And he, he helps like the roughneck uh, people on the on the west side of San Antonio. And I'm very proud of him. And so it's really great to catch up to him and, and find out that he's doing something uh, positive with his life as well. So that always, you know, some of them turned around and some of them didn't. Uh, another another dude, uh, he's in jail. Uh, yeah. And so what kind sad. of stuff were you into when we talk about gangs? Everybody listening and watching is from a different background, different city, different different area. What kind of stuff were, was your gang into? What kind of criminal activity? Well, you know, I, I, there's not like a category category of gang activity that they do. It's just the problem is that they they have nothing to do. Uh. The problem is that they have so much time on their hands, and um, and I wasn't like a high level cartel. Uh, let me explain something to people who are watching right now. You know, the the most dangerous uh, gang activity doesn't come from guys in their 20s and 30s. The the most dangerous gang activity comes from kids uh, 16, 15 years old. Because they have nothing to lose and everything to prove. And that's the space that I was in. Um, you know, um, it was just dumb. It was just it was just uh, looking for connections, running through the streets, trying to be something that I was. And I was a horrible gangbanger. I really was. <laughs> I, 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 could, I didn't win a lot of fights. I, I, uh, I got into a lot of fights, but I never won any of them because uh, that girl was bigger than me. So <laughs> like, my gang name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, how's your relationship with your mom? You put her through a heck of a lot, didn't you? Yes. And she's what we call the chancla ninja. You know, if you don't know what a chancla is, it's a flip-flop with I accuracy. Do. The little book, the Little I'd... Chanclas. Do you guys do you know that book? Do you guys know that little it's a children's no. book? Oh my gosh. It's good. I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> I'd love to see well, my mom's chancla had GPS for my butt. <laughs> And I would dodge chanclas. I got, I mean, I didn't do dodgeball, so I'd, I'd be like one chancla, two chancla, three chancla. <laughs> How many feet you got, woman? <laughs> she carried extra with her. Uh, you know what? Um, I, you know, I, I have, uh, I have other brothers and sisters. They're all half brothers and stepsisters, but um, they're all family to me. We don't, we don't do the step thing in my home. Um, so I, I think, you know. My mom's had her her, and we've talked about. She didn't even like the title of my book. You weren't born on accident. Oh, um, yeah. But you know, I hear. I'll explain it more like this: as as Latinos, right? You Latina. Yeah. I, I um, 
there's there's things that you don't talk about outside of our home. Mm. There's things that are private, and I'm like, sorry, mom, I'm a motivational speaker, so I have to come up with content, and yeah. you have given me a lot of content. <laughs> what was what was that like for her though? I mean, real talk, that could have real. That's why I'm, that's why I'm curious about like yeah. how's your relationship with your mom because it's like very honest, and it's to your point, uh, culturally not. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't go there. Yeah, I had to learn the power of forgiveness. I had to learn that 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 forgiveness was is not necessarily for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is untying the ship, saying I no longer want to live there. Now I have a I have a list of things I could be angry with my mom about. A list of things that I sincerely can say wrong, wrong, wrong. Never should have happened. A kid should not have to face this. A kid okay. should not have to deal with this. And I can live back there in the 80s and 90s, or I can say, you know what? But she's a great grandmother. She's a fantastic grandmother. And that's the mom that I want to focus on today. I um, I try not to to live in that space or let, let that negativity live in this address called yeah. Gabe Salazar, because I think life changes people and time changes people. Yeah. And that's really what's happened with my mom is, uh, you know, she would be in denial up and down about the woman that she was in her 20s and 30s and, and, and late teens. Uh, she would be. Uh -huh. And so we could sit here and argue back and forth. Uh, about well, that's not that's not really what happened. I'm like, mom, this is what I remember. This is from my lens and my perspective as a 12 year old. Why did we have to do that? Well, you weren't. You don't know what I was going through. And but so I, I had to learn the power of forgiveness. And uh, it's very hard. You know, forgiveness. You know, they say there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And I had I actually chose the latter. I chose reconciliation with my mom too. You know, I just didn't want to say it's done, it's gone, it's in the past, but I also wanted to say I want to restore. And I love my mom very much. And she wasn't the mom that I needed for her to be mm -hmm. when I was young, uh, but she's a great mom today. And I turned out okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I, I still think she had a, a definite hand in that, even if it was aspirational. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, what, what mom what mom wants bad for their kids, right? None of us, none of us do, but it's true to your point. Just sometimes there's a lack of skills, lack of wherewithal, you know, a number of others. I don't know what, you know, parents deal with all kinds of things. And, and it really is a choice to live in that childhood and to repeat it over and over and over or to do Great as it cycle. sounds like you have done and move on. Like this is Mr. Salazar part two. So what advice do you have for people who feel like, you know what, I'm still, I'm still living in that rotation of my bad childhood. You know, and, and that's, that's, it's something that it's, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight uh, to flip the switch. I mean, you know, even from my, my, you know, we talk about my mom contributing to my bad childhood, but my biological father did as well. I remember I was downtown San Antonio one time, and you've probably been downtown San Antonio, Texas, yep. and it's always packed with people. I was four years old, and um, we're getting onto a city bus. Now, some people say when you're four, you can't remember anything, but even if it's traumatic, you'll remember something about yeah. this day. And my mom's grabbing my hand, getting me onto the bus. My biological father walks right behind us and continues on down. He didn't see us. <gasps> so she pulls me off the bus, she lets go of my hand, and she starts to scream at him in front of all these people. And uh, here's what I remember. I remember her yelling and saying, this is your son. This is your son. Look at him. And this man looks at me. Then he runs away. Oh. And they find him They find him shot and left dead in a 1980 Z28 Camaro 
uh, bled out. How, four months. How, how long? Four months later. What happened? He just. They don't know. They don't know. They just. Uh, they just find him shot, and uh, they they counted it as an accidental shooting because he had a pistol in in his in his hand, but. Um, Friends of, of mine, uh, well, they're friends of mine now, but yeah. um, friends of his that have become my friends now uh, have told me, no, no, there, there was no way that was an accidental shooting. Um, so, wow. uh, but I had a lot of anger towards him. Yeah. Uh, well, he ran, he ran from you that day. What's wrong with me? He you saw know, and, you. and then when you're a kid and you got field day and there's parents screaming their kids' names down the down the uh the track and they're like run mijo run junior and you're there like all by yourself you know that was me and uh and so i remember even one time we went on a field trip and every all the kids brought their dads and this one dad he uh he came up to me and uh he said hey uh how about i call you my son today and you can call me dad for today come on come with us and he and he put his arm around i started crying right in front of my friend, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't realize why I was crying back then, but today I, I realized why I was crying, Jenny. I was crying because I never had a man speak like that to me before in my life. You see, I felt like I was missing out on my childhood because I didn't have a father in my life, but I've come to the realization that it was really him missing out on having a good kid. Yeah, uh, now I'm crying. It's a lot, you, you use humor a lot in your storytelling, but it has to be hard to think back on that. You have to laugh at something so dark, right? It is, it's, it <laughs> Or is, else it's I'll live dark. there. And, uh, but what, what it does, it allows a lot of kids to um, not agonize with me, but to relate with me and say, you know, I'm, I don't know, my story's not exactly like yours, mm -hmm. but we feel the same way right mm -hmm. now. You know, I have my mom and my dad, but my mom and dad work so much that I feel like they don't know me and they don't care to know me. And I feel like 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 what you're feeling right now and, yeah. and what you felt like. And so there's that connection. And when we can get there, we can start walking kids through the healing process and the transition of that, that, you know, you don't have to stay there. Uh, there is a purpose. There's a future. There's a goal. There's something incredible to aspire to because I don't know one kid that says, I want to grow up and fail. I love meeting kids that say, I want to do something great. And I, I'll sit down with them and say, well, what's, what's the first step? I can't help you with all the steps, but mm -hmm. let's, let's start the first step of what could happen or, or what we could do to start going in that direction. The other thing, too, is uh, having it happened and then not repeat it, you know, and, and to be a present father. What, is, what does parenthood look like for you now? Parenthood is amazing. <laughs> you know, I've got I, I've got four kids uh, with oh. my wife, but these are the two little ones. The closest photo to me. There we go. Oh That's gosh, Simone and Sebastian. So and that was on the fourth of July. Ah, uh, the people you know, who are only hearing the podcast are going to have to go to Gabe's social media to um, to see the pictures. Oh my gosh! And it just seems like you just ha find such joy in parenting and in not repeating what happened to you, which is the literal and figurative running away. We broke that cycle. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, um, I, I'm not, I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm here and, mm -hmm. uh, I get, I, I love being able to, and I travel a lot, you know, but, uh, you know, when I'm home, I'm home and, and we have, we have routines and things and, and almost religious things that we do with our family when I'm home. You know, we, we pray and say, 
uh, a scripture uh, every night. And, and then when every time I land, my kids love to pick me up from the airport because every time I land back from a flight, it's a family date night. And they get to choose where we're going out for dinner. And we just, we, we reconnect and we spend time like that. And I think it's, it's very important to have those and create those memories. And then there's things that I do. Um, I, I, every time I'm sitting down, I'm having a good time with my family. I'll say, this is the best moment of my life. Oh. And and they and, and they, they say, Dad, we know you're going to say, we know you're going to say this is the best moment of my life. I said, well, why can't I have many best moments of my life? Right now, I'm having dinner with all of you guys and my beautiful wife. Gosh, this is the best moment of my life. And so I want them to always look back and, and think that there there were wonderful, great times that, that I was appreciative of with my family. Yeah, I, 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 bet, I bet your kids feel the love because you know what it's like to not receive it. Um, you, you speak at these schools all over the country. This is, you know, I know that, of course, once the pandemic ends, you're going to be back even, you know, bigger and better than ever with the speaking engagements. What's the biggest issue that you're running into since you're somebody who's engaging with the teens? Like what? what Very good question. Yeah, what are they facing? Well, you know, uh, you say we're going to come right back. I, I'm, I've never stopped. I know, I know. Like, I knew you were going to say that. Virtual programs. Last week, well, the, well the, I'm sorry, the week of of Halloween, uh, and it's Red Ribbon Week nationally. So it's the same note of Drugs Week. That week, I saw 20, or actually, I didn't see them, but 22,000 students saw me virtually <laughs> through our virtual assemblies in school districts all across America. So I work with many agencies. One, one of them is called Just Say Yes, and, and we connect with all of these schools being able to share the resources. So I have some pre-recorded. I do some virtual live. But the biggest thing that's being requested right now is on uh, just social and emotional health. Yeah. Uh, we are made for connection. We are made for relationships. And right now, we have so many kids, even though they all have phones, all of them say, I feel so disconnected. I yeah. feel so empty. And they're wanting connections. They're wanting um uh, they're wanting to build on those relationships. And so that's the hardest thing. So we're doing a lot of critical thinking exercises with kids on being able to do things that can help with their social and emotional learning. And the first thing with that, if you didn't, you didn't ask me, but I'm sure you were going to, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, fast. keep going. <laughs> and that is, is to understand that being sad is normal. Yeah. Being angry is normal. Now, now can you be sad? Yes, but can you be sad for a long period of time? No, that that's unhealthy. Can you be angry? Yes. I hate it when people tell me, don't be angry. I'm gonna tell you a secret, but don't be angry. No, I'm gonna be angry if mm -hmm. I find, okay. But can you be angry for a long period of time? No, there, there's actually medical effects that the human body has when we hold anger. Can you be happy? Yes, is it okay to be happy? Yes. Is it okay to be happy for a long period of time? No, that's called drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and the joke there is, and, and the meaning actually behind the joke is that there's a false expectation in our kids in America that if I'm not happy every single day of my life, something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with my life and I must have something bad going on uh, inside of me. And that's not true. So we... Hmm? Yeah, yeah, I just think that's such a good point for kids and adults alike to, to remember that not everybody's happy all the time. Even Mr. Salazar is not happy all the time. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not driving on the highway with my head out the window like, woo, youth motivational speaker here. Dang <laughs> no. it, that's what I totally no. imagined. Hey, I know you have a ton of resources out there for, um, for, for kids and for parents, the podcast and everything else. Can you just give, like, give the full rundown and we can link it up in the podcast notes too of where people can find you and how they can access all these different materials. Well, perfect. 
my my number one is Instagram at, at official Gabe Salazar, uh, Twitter at, at Gabe Salazar. My podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and RSS feed. And you can find uh, my book at Gal Publishing, and it's called Born on Accident, Living with Purpose. Also, if you go to my mom's house and you ask, you knock and you say, <laughs> hey, is Gabriel here? You can find me very – There, people say, oh, I couldn't get a hold of you to invite you to the party. You liar. <laughs> you didn't want me at the party. <laughs> Mom is there waiting in that same house he was able to grow up in from middle school on. Gabe, it has been a joy. I loved speaking with you. I've interviewed you a couple times before, and I thought, you know what? We've got to do something more in-depth to actually get the story behind the story, and I think we, we delved into a little bit of that today. So thank you for the advice well, for kids and parents. I'm a fan of yours as well. Thank you for Aww. letting me share my second shot. Because yes. I think everybody deserves at least one good second shot. I could not agree more. That's the whole point of this show. Gabe rocks. We'll link up all of his stuff on Second Shot Podcast. You can find us at secondshotpodcast.com. And you know this segment is out every Thursday on CW33 as a part of uh, as a part of our partnership and, and my full-time job with CW33. So I hope that some of what you found was inspiring and motivating for you. Um, be sure to shoot us an email, secondshotcast at gmail.com, and let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you soon.